0: All right, today's Bible reading comes from 2 Peter chapter 3. Okay. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction." Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.
1: And it's a great joy to be with you uh, this morning again. and bringing the word Uh, please keep your bibles open to second peter chapter three and we'll uh be looking at verse by verse later but let me um start with pray please join me heavenly father we thank you for your word thank you that we can come together um as your people brothers and sisters in christ and uh open your word and we pray would you please speak to us uh, keep us away from any distraction, the, the thoughts in our head, um, and we pray that you would change our heart uh, by your precious gospel, and we may grow and become more and more like Jesus. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. In 2012, Duke philosophy professor Alex Rosenberg addressed a series of questions from an atheistic perspective. Is there a God? No. What is the purpose of the universe? There is none. What is the meaning of life? There is none. Is there a soul? Is it immortal? Are you kidding? What happens when I die? Everything pretty much goes on as before, except us. What is the difference between right and wrong, good and bad? There is no moral difference between them. Why should I be moral? Because it makes you feel better than being immoral. Is abortion, euthanasia, suicide, paying taxes, or anything else you don't like forbidden, permissible, or sometimes obligatory? His answer? anything goes. Now you might think you can build your moral tower higher on equality and human justice and human rights, but when you remove God from that moral structure, you don't just lose your morality, your sense of meaning loses too and when an individual rejects the idea of God and his justice and judgment, serious consequences follow. You see, all of us, all of us grow up with a sense of justice, don't we? Here's an example. When you read any part of human history, you see so much injustice, what happens? Or if you turn on the news every morning. There's always some terrible things happening, isn't it? And when you see injustice, what happens? You see, innately, we have a sense of justice. And we think, what are we going to do? Well, here's what you can do you can either, firstly, you can either reject the idea of the whole injustice. Because, like Alex Rosenberg says, since everything will go on, because if your morality comes from a society, then you can't just say the injustice you see is wrong. There has to be a standard beyond which that you can appeal to, to talk about good, bad, right and wrong you're appealing to a standard beyond you or else it's just an opinion. It just becomes an opinion. (laughs) Secondly, the second option is you become the judge yourself fighting for injustice. Go to uh, Bongo Bongo Island and fight for injustice there. And then again Alex Rosenberg said, "It's it's just because it makes you feel better than being immoral. That's pretty much it. There's nothing beyond that. Or thirdly, here's what you can do. You can believe in the day of judgment. Where you can appeal to a righteous judge who someday will stand on the face of the earth and will put everything right. You see, believing in the judgment day has enormous implications on the questions of good and evil. Now, this passage today teaches us about what is happening on the judgment day and how it affects on those who believe it. In, in this passage, Peter summarizes his concerns about the mockers while also firmly placing the church in the context of the end times. And today I'd like you to look at three points where we see Peter's encouragement as well as his warning. We're going to look at remember, here's three points, remember God's word, remember God's warning, and remember God's promise. Okay? Let's look at, what Peter says in this chapter look at verse 1 and 2 it starts with Peter has written this letter to remind us to remember what the holy prophets have spoken that is the Old Testament and the commandments of the our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that has been given to us through the Apostles that is the New Testament Now, this clear is the teaching of the Bible. The way to understand about this Judgment Day is by knowing what has been said in the Bible. Peter wants us to recall and understand this, to keep eyes of our heart and ears of our mind to be focused in the truth of Christ himself. Just like the people in the Old Testament, the prophets, as they prophesize that God will bring his plans and promises to a climax. The whole Old Testament is pointing towards, pointing forward to that glorious day that is coming when the whole world is restored. You see? But there's also another reason for Peter to write, and that is. The scoffers, the mockers. Read with me. Verse verse 2. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Let's read verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come Scoffing and following their own evil desires. You see, we live in a time and a culture where God's promises are mocked. Scoffers now may appear knowledgeable due to their high sounding doubts and questions and the way they frame their uh, question with such eloquence and big vocabulary words, but they are actually driven by their disobedience and evil desires peter has already warned us that we must not be taken in by their evil desires because you know as christians it is also easy to forget and overlook the judgment of the world i once was asked uh, to preach at a church here in Tassie, uh, I'm not going to name the church, um, and on, on the topic of Judgment Day. Uh, and the Bible reader that day um, refused to read the passage. It was on the same, uh, the same passage. She refused to uh, read it because she didn't think this really applied to us today. Now, there are plenty of people who find the idea of Judgment Day very hard to believe. And they have objections. They say the world is going on and on for ages since creation. There isn't going to be a day like that. Of course not. Is this a surprise to us? I don't think so. Well, these objections are not unexpected to Peter either something that we still hear and might feel too. So he goes on to mention and answer them. Read with me verse verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same... By these waters, by the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly. Here's our first heading for today. Remember God's word. If you don't believe in the judgment day, the problem is you don't believe in creation. You see, your problem starts at the very beginning. It's rooted in creation. There's two things Peter wants us to know. He's asking us, do you believe in creation? Do you believe that it was created by God? Or did it happen by accident? Without a creator. Because if you do believe that it was created long ago by God's word, then Peter says it is by the same word It is by the same word, the present heavens and the earth are being kept for judgment. If you believe in the God who created the world, then you have to believe he can judge the world. Or if you think the creation is just an accident, well then in that case everything is meaningless. There is, if there is no God who created the world, then we are left with a disturbing reality that we live, we die, and we are forgotten. Yuval Harari, the Israeli historian in his book, Sapiens, uh, he tells a story of humanity from um, the beginning. He says this, quote, As far as we can tell from a purely scientific viewpoint, human life has absolutely no meaning. Humans are the outcome of blind evolutionary process that operate without goal or purpose. Our actions are not part of some divine cosmic plan. Hence, any meaning that people ascribe to their lives is just a delusion." End quote. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that your life is a delusion? I don't know, maybe you do. Or maybe you're thinking of the things in your life that is meaningful. You see, if you do believe or don't believe that, but we all know deep down inside our heart we don't want Harari to be right. If you don't believe in the Judgment Day, you don't believe in the meaningful creation. You must see nothing that you do makes any final difference. There is no moral difference between right and wrong, good and bad. Anything goes. There is no final justice. We are left with a sad and a disturbing reality. Judgment Day and the idea of meaningful creation, they are connected. They go together. They make perfect sense together. And on that judgment day, Peter says, read with me verse 7. What does it say in verse 7? Those who have failed to meet the standards of God will be declared ungodly and will face destruction. Because it perfectly makes sense that the God who created the universe can only judge it. But then this raises a question for some, doesn't it? We have seen so much injustice. Why hasn't God done anything yet? Why is he being slow? That brings us to our next point. Remember God's warning. Look at what Peter says in verse 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Peter points out, when God says, I'm coming soon, it's your lack of perspective that you think he's being slow. Your and my perspective is far further behind God's perspective. Our understanding of time is different than God's timing. He lives in in eternity. He is not being slow. Instead, he is being patient with us. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The whole purpose of his patience is to do with his love and grace for his people. And you see, who will stand on the judgment day? Is it the moral ones? Is it the ones who think they're good? The self righteous? Who doesn't need God? What does Peter say in verse 9? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's not the good, the moral ones who will stand on the judgment day, but the ones who know they're not. The ones who admit they're not before God. The people who knew they weren't good enough for God were the people Jesus welcomed. Those who were outcasts, poor, illiterate, the marginal Jesus sat, ate, and preferred their company. On the other hand, what happened? The religious moral leaders, they criticized him for spending too much time with sinners. And what does he reply? It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Repentance. You see, to be a Christian is to acknowledge your moral failure before God and to throw yourself at the mercy of Christ. The only one in history whose thoughts, words, and deeds were only good willingly took the punishment for our sins on that cross. He knows our secret thought, our deepest shame, and yet he loves us all the way to death and back again. And all you have to do is trust in him. Put your faith in him and repent. Not just asking for forgiveness and just being sorry, but changing your mind. That's what the word is, repentance, isn't it? Metanoia, change, changing your mind. Not just saying sorry, but turning away from them. You see, Jesus is the only one who takes our judgment but also he is the only judge and on that day if you stand in your own righteousness on that day you will be lost but instead if you recognize that you're not enough and Jesus Christ lived and died for you if you rest in him you will stand in his righteousness So he's being patient as he provides still further time for repentance with all who believe, but also who will believe. Who have repented, but also who will repent. Now, if, this, if you believe this, here's God's assurance for you. Remember God's promise. Look at me, read verse uh, Read Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The Jesus' return will be sudden, and when he returns, everything will be exposed. There will be destruction of the ungodly. All the injustice that you see in this world right now will be portrayed will have a final say, brothers and sisters. Peter says in verse 13, those of you belong to God can be assured in keeping with promise that he will create a new heaven and earth where there will be no more evil for you shall find instead a place in which righteousness dwells. That's what we started with didn't we what will happen on the judgment day and how it affects on those who believe it well those of us in Christ it is God's promise to the wounded humanity that he hears the cries of justice and will one day console them by bringing his justice no matter what injustice or pain that you're seeing today you can be confident to know that it is temporary it won't last forever and this is what must provide us the joy and the anticipation of course we should stand against injustice right now but also you can rest in the assurance that in the end the right must and will triumph Now, as far as Peter is concerned, remembering the future has a very practical effect because it changes how we live in the present as we wait for his arrival. He's making this application. So, my dear friends, in verse 14, how do we wait for his arrival? Well, we prepare ourselves by being holy. Look at verse 14. So, then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. You see, when Jesus returns, it won't be a question of whether He has changed to suit us. Rather, the question is whether we have changed. suit him Paul in Colossians says the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom all hidden in whom are all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge you see to sit at the feet of Jesus is to sit beside a well whose depth cannot be measured and whose supply can never be exhausted I love the way uh, C.S. Lewis describes in his book, Prince Caspian, in which he describes little Lucy's reunion with Aslan, the mighty lion. You see, when Lucy sees Aslan, he goes up, Aslan, you're bigger. And the mighty lion, uh, Aslan replies, that is because you're older, little one. And. Lucy is, oh, I'm not sure. Are you sure? Not because you are? And what does the mighty lion reply? I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Brothers and sisters, as we grow in our faith, Christ will seem even bigger, even more glorious than we first believed. You see, every day, if you remember, Today is the day of the Lord. It will change us in so many ways, wouldn't it? Each day you will live a life worthy of his calling. Each day you ought to glorify him. And you'll realize that's the only way you're going to grow. And this is what Peter does from start to finish. Second Peter is all about how crucial it is to know Jesus. No wonder he wants to spend his last dying days. Telling people about Jesus. And that's what we do as well. We use our time, secondly. We use our time that God has given us. Sometimes it's easy for us to attach ourselves to the visible and urgent things that is right before in front of us, like, you know, injustice and world hunger. And there's nothing wrong in that. Don't get me wrong. Of course we have to be effective in the world like that with our Christian characteristics of goodness and kindness and giving. But it is also clear from what Peter has taught us, the greatest need our world faces is a need for our Savior on the day of judgment. It may look weird and stupid to put evangelism as high priority than physical needs. And it's true that if we attend only to their souls and never to their bodies. We have misunderstood Jesus and Peter, but Peter wants us to avoid the danger which is more natural for us, feeding the body and letting the soul starve to death. You see, because only as Christians we can see the need and sense of urgency in evangelism that our Lord has commanded to do. To bring the gospel to those who don't know him. So let me ask you this today. Do we share Peter's sense of urgency in our use of time, money, and things we pray for? For the day of the Lord is one day closer, brothers and sisters. What would you say to the Lord if he returned tonight? How have you used your time that he has given to us in mercy and to bring him glory? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. Uh, So many people think today that the Bible is not relevant and scoff and mock at your word and at those who believe you. But here we see your living word spoken in the redemptive history of the past, but the history of future pre-written. It's all in your hands and that's where it should be. And we praise you for it. And we look forward for the day when we enter into glory of eternity. We look forward for the day when we dwell in the new heavens and the earth where only righteousness dwells. In the meantime, we pray, Father, may we use this period patience of your patience for the purpose of the gospel proclamation may we christians unmistakably be known as those who relentlessly and singularly proclaim the gospel of jesus christ may we be known for our gospel in the things that we do say and how we live may we be known for a godly living may we be known may we be known for holiness and may we be eagerly looking forward to that day, hastening that day when Jesus is fully glorified and when he returns. When all the rights replace all the wrongs in the glory of that eternal realm, we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. But until that time, may we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and may not be led astray. May we give you all the glory. Amen.